Good morning, everyone. Good to have you here today. And we are completing our series on It's Supernatural. And the supernatural is, in case you don't know, it's God breaking into our natural world. The supernatural is anything that is above and beyond that which is natural or what we would call normal. And I want you to know that as Christians, the thing that we can anticipate and always look forward to and expect is that God will break into our lives and do that which is above the ordinary, above the natural and normal. And so today what I want to tell you is that God wants to take care of you. He wants to meet your needs. He wants to prosper you. And before you panic and say, oh, I didn't know that this church was one of those churches that taught prosperity gospel, it's not. But what you need to understand is that God does want to prosper you. He does want to meet your needs so that you, in turn, can meet the needs of others. In other words, God's provision and God's prosperity for you does not stop at you. You understand, if you're a Christian today, that you are a channel of God's blessing. That's God's intention, that that his blessing would flow through you to other people. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The problem is, is that we have, have seen so much abuse uh, through TV ministries, that sort of thing. And we are skeptical every time we hear a, a pastor speak about giving because we think that the pastor's got ulterior motives. So I want you to know right now today, I don't know what anybody gives. I don't really want to know what anybody gives. But I do know this, that what I'm going to share with you today is a message that you need to hear. In fact, I believe that you need to hear it more often because I know for a fact that every one of us at different times, at various times, struggles with, with having enough, struggle with finances. Uh, you, know, you know yourself, you know what your situation is. And maybe you're here today and you're actually struggling financially. You're struggling with, you know, how's, how am I gonna make ends meet? Well, I'm gonna show you today the supernatural practice of giving and what God has promised to those who give. I came across a funny little story. Uh, it was a farmer by the name of Muldoon in Ireland. And uh, this, this farmer Muldoon lived all alone except for his pet dog, which he loved dearly. And one day the dog, uh, which he doted on, died. And upset about this, he went to his priest and asked the priest, Father Patrick, would you do a mass for my poor dog? And the, the priest, uh, really quite annoyed that this farmer would ask him to do a mass for a dog, said, ha, we can't do services for animals. What kind of a church do you think this is? And the farmer, not wanting to be pushed aside, said, well, could you have any suggestions of something that I could do? And the, and the priest said, well, I know of a Protestant church down the road. Well, they'll, they'll take anybody in and do anything for anybody. So maybe, maybe that's what you ought to do. Maybe they'll help you out. So the, the farmer Muldoon said to the priest, um, okay, well, that sounds great. And can I just ask your advice on one more thing? The father said, of course you can, my son. What else do you want to know? Well, I know I need to give something for the services of the Protestant minister. Uh, do you think that $50,000 is enough to donate for that service? <laughs> to which Father Patrick replied, well, why didn't you tell me the dog was Catholic? Now I said I said that I said that God wants to prosper you. 
But not just for your sake. It's not to stop at you. God wants to pour out his blessing through you to others. In fact, God wants to use you as his channel to reach a broken and hurting world. You know, you often hear people say, you know, in the midst of an earthquake or tsunami or whatever, where is God? If there is a God, where is he? And I'll tell you where he is. God shows up through his people. And that's why at our church, we're constantly asking you to give to orphanages and to, to various needs that, that arise around the world. And we've helped, uh, we've helped with various disasters around the world, and we love to do it because we believe that we are God's hands and feet on this earth. And, and I'm going to tell you, wherever there is a, a great need around the world, you'll notice that oftentimes it's Christians who are there first. In fact, it was the Christian church that really set a pattern for the rest of the world to follow, so that today there are many agencies, relief and development agencies, that were inspired by the work of the church. God wants to use you, and he wants to prosper you. He wants to make sure that you have everything that you need. Look at the scripture verse in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. Watch this. The wisest man who ever lived, he said, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So you quickly get the gist of what the wisest man in the world is saying here. He's saying, God wants to prosper you. He wants to provide for you, but it's not just for you. This is what's wrong with religion in North America. We think it's all about me. And I'm going to tell you, there is nothing that is further from the reality of what Christianity is than the thought that it's all about me. What can I get? What can the church give me? What can the church do for me? What can God do for me? Listen, God is calling us into this divine partnership with him whereby he blesses us so that we can turn around and bless others. The question is this today, can God trust you? And if you're struggling financially today, I, will, I can pretty much guarantee that the reason for that struggle is that you have not yet learned the discipline of being generous. You've not learned how to truly give and to give freely and generously. Because the Bible tells me very clearly here, and, it, and you're going to see it, it, Jesus reiterates the same point. Look, watch this. Give freely and become more wealthy. It doesn't say hoard or be stingy or to hang on to it. Solomon the wise says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy. What does it mean to be stingy? To hang on tight. Don't let it go. Don't let, I'm going to hang on to every penny I've got. Be stingy, lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, I'm going to say this, that uh, after being saved, that's really, being saved is the, is the first great step of faith that every human being takes. That step where you say, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to become a Christian. I am now going to live the way Jesus lives. And here's what Jesus promises to all who put their faith in him. You will receive eternal life. The second great step that every believer must take is by faith to take the step of giving. So you'd, the first step is putting your faith in Christ for salvation so that you become a Christian and you get eternal life. The second great step is that you learn to start giving and giving freely while you're here on this earth. And here's what happens, folks. When you put your faith in Christ for salvation, you receive eternal life. When you put your faith in Christ and give generously, 
then what happens is that you receive abundant life. You see that? Most of us are thinking in terms of eternity only, but God wants you to experience his blessing here and now. He wants you to know that abundant life in the here and the now. So the question for you this morning is this, will you trust God with abundant life here and now as well as eternal life? Because I think everybody here today would say pretty much, yeah, when I die, I want to go to heaven, so I'm going to put my faith in Jesus and I want that eternal life. But what about here and now? What will you experience here and now? So I want to tell you how you can have that abundant life, that rich and full life where all your needs are met, and now you are not worrying about money anymore. Now you are concerned about how to share your money with others. Now, who wouldn't love to have that kind of a problem? Because for so many of us, the thing that occupies our mind is how can we get more, and how am I going to pay the bills, and how am I going to make ends meet, where God doesn't want you to live under that kind of stress. What God wants you to do is he wants you to have his heart, where you're thinking, who can I bless? Who, who can I give to? Who needs my help? Before we ask the question, what happens when I give, let's ask this question. Why are we stingy? When I was pastoring in Carberry, Manitoba, before I went to the mission field, it was my first church on my own. And uh, the first Sunday there, uh, I, there were 12 people sitting there. And I said, to, uh, I said to, to the people who were sitting in the front row, when does everybody get here? There was 12 of them. When does everybody get here? And it was Charlene's Aunt Hazel, uh, or great Aunt Hazel, who said, we're all here, Pastor, go to it. <laughs> and so away I went. Now, over time, uh, I discovered that there's a man in the church who was very wealthy and very opinionated. And I was always concerned or worried about upsetting him because, frankly, it was, you know, it was a, a church, mostly seniors, I guess all senior citizens at that time, and there was not a lot of money to make ends meet. And I was especially concerned that I didn't want to tick off this wealthy member of the church. And I remember having a talk with Charlene's grandma, Olmstead, and saying, you know, there's certain things I want to do, but I'm afraid that if I do them, I'm going to make some people angry, and I don't want to make that guy mad, because if I make him mad, he's going to leave the church, and if he leaves the church, that means the funds will be low, and I don't know what to do. And Mrs. Olmstead, Laura Olmstead, began to laugh, and she said, oh, don't worry about him. That guy is as tight as the bark on a tree. And it liberated me. Now, I didn't care. I wasn't worried about this guy whom I thought was rich. You see, here's what we often think. We think, you know, that it's the rich people that can afford to fund the work of God. It's the rich people who will make things happen. And I found that's not the truth. What I've discovered, though, is that people, just average Joes like you and me, who just make an average living, they tend to be the ones who are the most generous. And I began to believe and understand that God's provision for his work does, I mean, it does come from people, but ultimately it comes from him. It comes through him. And I've, I've, I've functioned that way all these years and watched the way God has blessed his people as, as they have been obedient to Christ. So why is it that we're so hesitant and so reluctant to give? Because here's what I know about everybody here today. There's no one here so poor that they can't give something. In fact, Jesus pointed that out. He was sitting at the temple with his disciples. He says, hey, guys, come here. You gotta, you gotta see this. Look at this. So the disciples gather around and they're looking at what Jesus is looking at. And Jesus is actually looking at the people as they're putting the offering in the offering box. And he says, look at these rich guys. They're putting in a lot of money. But, but now watch this widow here. And there's a widow there that gave what we call, 
what we now call the widow's mite. It was a tiny little coin. It's almost, wor- well, it's almost worthless, but it was all that she had, and she put that into the offering box, and Jesus said, you see that? That woman gave more than anybody gave today. And the disciples are scratching their head. Well, it's a, it's a widow's mite. It wasn't worth anything. And Jesus said, but you see, she gave out of her poverty. These people were given before her. They, were, they had lots to spare, but this woman gave all she had. And folks, here's what you need to understand. Because so, so many of us think, well, I don't have a lot to give. Listen, it's not the amount that you give. It's the percentage that matters to God. It's the willingness to say, God, whatever I have, I'm going to give. I'm going to share. I remember Tom Turner's mom. Um, you know, just a very, very limited income. And I remember her saying to me, you know, Pastor Allen, I know that I need to give. I need to give towards the work of God because I know that when I give, God provides and meets my every need. And it's a privilege to be partnering with God and making a difference in our community. That was over at the old church. And the thing I saw about Tom's mom is that God always provided for, always met her needs, and always seemed to have exactly as much as she needs. So this business of giving is a tough thing. In fact, a lot of churches, they think, well, I go to church, I know the pastor for sure is going to be talking about giving because that's all pastors talk about, right? No, don't say yeah. <laughs> In fact, i got to apologize because I don't think I talk enough about this. I don't t- talk enough about it, and, and here's why I think I don't talk enough about it. Because as long as I hear people talk about their financial stress and their financial needs, that's an indicator to me, that's an indication to me that they have not yet learned the biblical principle of giving and receiving from God. You see, God wants to meet your every need. God does not want you to be walking in poverty. But the problem with all of us is that we have a poverty mentality. And as Christians, we're supposed to have an abundance mentality. Why? Because the Bible says our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, that's just a poetic way of saying that God owns it all. And God has got enough for every one of you here today. How many believe today that God wants to meet your needs and he's got more than enough to meet your needs? Well, I believe that. And the reason I believe it is because I have an abundance mentality. When Gloria and I started at Cross, actually it was Western Gospel Church over on Elgin Avenue, the little tiny shoebox of a church across the street from Cecil Road School, we did not have, actually we did not, earn enough at that point to make ends meet through the course of the year. But we knew God wanted us to come there. And we said, God, we want to not just tithe, but we want to be the best givers in the church. And so that's what, we've, that's what we started out to do. And I can tell you, with that abundance mentality, God just started pouring out the blessing upon us, pouring it out, pouring it out. And our needs were always met. We never were short. And we were always able to give far above and beyond what we should have been able to do. But you see, when you have an abundance mentality, God knows that he can entrust to you more and more. Now, can I ask you a question today? Can God trust you? Can God trust you with more? Can God pour out more provision into your life? Can God trust you with a raise? Can God trust you with an increase? And the fact of the matter is, for some of us, no, we can't. Because he knows that we will not be faithful stewards. We will not be faithful with what he's entrusted to us. 
Where do we get this, this mentality from, this stingy poverty mentality, this, this idea that we need more, it's not enough? Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, which is one of my favorite chapters, and I've always called it the, the chapter that unlocks the human mind and the human attitude and the human spirit, here's what you discover. Before Adam and Eve fell, before they sinned, they lived in a state where they were never taking, they were just receiving and giving. Let me, ex- let me explain what I mean by that. We find God creating Adam. And here's what happened. Adam took nothing, but he received from God what God wanted to give him. I'm going to tell you this. Just bear with me. You'll understand what I'm saying in a moment. God wants to give to you. He wants you to be in a position to receive from him. And so when God created Adam, God gave Adam a name, because no one wants to be called no name, unless you work at a superstore. <laughs> Everything's no name. God, God wants, wants you to have a name, so He's got a name. God gives Adam a home. God gives Adam a beautiful garden to live in. God gave uh, Adam a job to do. He was to be the steward of the garden and the steward of all the animals God created and to give them names. God gave Adam tasty food to eat, the tastiest food you ever tasted. God gave Adam fellowship with him. Imagine being able to walk physically beside God. And the best thing of all, as far as Adam was concerned, is God gave Adam a wife. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, uh, when Adam saw Eve, um, the NLT says that Adam looked at her and said, Ha, finally! Someone like me, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Actually, one Hebrew rabbi or scholar said, actually what he said was, wow. He was so excited about this beautiful woman standing before her, before him. And this was a gift from God to Adam. Adam took nothing. He received from God who will give generously. And then we come to Adam and, and he imitates God. And Eve comes along, and the first thing that Adam does is he gives Eve a name. Remember, it was Adam that gave Eve the name. And not only that, Adam gave Eve support, helped her get readjusted or adjusted to this new home called Eden. He comforted her. He gave her guidance. Remember, God gave Adam all the instruction, and now it was Adam's job to give instruction to his wife, to tell his wife what God said. And The best thing of all is Adam cherished Eve. She was his precious. Eve took nothing but received from her husband. And then we get to Eve. What does she do? Well, she gives her husband great joy and great excitement. Eve gives Adam companionship. Eve gives Adam intimacy And the Bible actually refers to Eve as the helper. So actually, God gave uh, Eve to Adam as as his helper. So here's what we see here, folks. We see nobody taking or grabbing or, I want this, I want that, give me this, give me that. We see a beautiful world of sharing and receiving until Adam and Eve 
are standing in front of the one tree that they're not supposed to eat fruit from. And they look at that fruit and Satan comes along and incites them to do something they shouldn't ought to do. For, look at this. For the first time, they decide they're going to take what doesn't belong to them. They're going to take what is not theirs. And they reach out, they take that fruit, and they eat what, doesn't, what God never intended for them. And you know that at that moment of disobedience, that is when sin entered in. And what we discover, folks, is now this world where Adam and Eve freely received from God and God freely gave is all comes, all comes to a, an abrupt halt. And now Adam and Eve, because of their sin, because of their greed and their lust, now they believe it's their responsibility to take care of themselves and to take whatever they can get. Folks, this is what every human, human heart is like, unless it's been touched by God. You wanna take what doesn't belong to you. And if you follow now the history of human beings from Genesis all the way to the end of the Old Testament, which is the book of Malachi, here's what you discover. You discover that human beings are grasping, cheating, lying, stealing, getting to get whatever they can get. That's the effect of sin, that greed, that take, take, take. And Cain, what does he do? He takes his brother's life because Abel's got something that Cain hasn't got. And we see that that's what human beings are doing now. They're, they're in this habit of taking what doesn't belong to them. They have not learned to trust God to provide for them. They have not learned how to receive from the hand of God. By the time we get to the book of Malachi, God is saying this to the people of Israel. He's saying this to the humans. You people are robbing me. And the people ask, but God, how are we robbing you? Because you are, you are taking your tithes and offerings and you're using them for your own purpose. Because you don't trust me, you're robbing me. And that's the human condition, folks. And God says to Israel, you're under a curse because of your unwillingness to give. And I wonder today if there's anybody here who would say, man, my life seems like it's cursed. It seems my business doesn't prosper. It seems I never have enough, enough to pay my bills. My ends don't meet. I just, I'm always short. Listen to me, folks. This is not God's ideal for you. God wants to provide for you and he wants to meet your every need. He wants you to live a joyful, happy life where his blessing flows through you, where he meets your needs and through you is able to meet the needs of everybody else. And through you, like Tom's mother and her great desire, through you, be able to further the kingdom of God. What's going on in your life? I'll tell you one thing, folks. In the ministry, the, thing, the greatest thing that drains me are the takers. Everybody knows what a taker is, and everybody knows what a giver is. In fact, most people, they don't really know how to really define themselves. They don't see what, what they're really like. But the fact of the matter is, is that our sinful nature makes us takers. We want to take, take, take. This drains me as a pastor. There's people who have just taken, and if they don't take, they get angry, they leave, they walk away, they have a tantrum and say, you know, this pastor doesn't meet my needs and so on and so forth, and on it goes. But these are people who never give, they just take. And there's not really much I can do with them. But also, I'll, I'll tell you this. You show me a person who refuses to share, refuses to give, and I'm gonna show you someone who has no spiritual life and no faith. 
Because the first step of faith is putting your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. The second step is that you imitate Jesus, who is a giver. And what did Jesus give? Give his life. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to imitate him. And if you and I are going to overcome the stinginess, then you and I are going to have to take a massive step of faith. We're going to have to be prepared to give even as Jesus gave. You know, sitting here this morning is my dad. He's sitting there about five rows back there. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. I mean, first of all, I'm so thrilled that, that they're part of my church. Um, I'm going to tell you they hold me accountable, make sure that any stories I tell are correct. So if it's wrong, my dad will say, you know, I don't know if that was the right detail. I don't know if you got that one right or not. So, I mean, i got to be very careful what I say because I'm going to get in trouble if I get it wrong. Uh, Dad will take me out back and, you know. One of the best things that my dad taught me, I would say probably the greatest thing. There's so many great things he taught me, but this one really, to me, is one of the greatest. Is My dad taught me how to give. He taught me after, my, after I got my first paycheck, he taught me to tithe. He said, after I got my first paycheck, because I worked for my dad, he said, Alan, are you going to tithe on that? What's that? That means give 10% of your paycheck to God. And he challenged me with it. I don't know if dad even remembers this. He told me a few stories of people who tithe. And so I said, yes, by all means, I want to tithe. And I began to do that. And not just give, listen, watch this not just give 10% of my income to the work of God, but to give above and beyond that. And not only just give my money, watch this, folks, to give my time, my treasure, which is my money, and my talent, my ability. I can remember one night after Boys Brigade, uh, there was a Calvary Temple had a house that they had purchased. They were going to eventually knock it down and put a parking lot on there. But in the meantime, they were using it for youth activities. And my dad saw a light on. I don't know if my dad even remembers this, but we went into the house to see what was going on. Why are the lights on in that house? It, and when we got in there, lo and behold, there's Pastor Barber. I don't know if anybody knows who Pastor Barber is anymore. I think he's 92 or 93 now. I think he's still going strong. But there he was. And at that time, he must have been in his 50s or 60s. I can't remember. He always seemed old to me. But uh, <laughs> we... Uh, we went into the house, and there he's got a great big tray of plaster. Dad, you remember that? Big tray of plasters, and he's got, he's got his big spatulas, and he's, he's, he's plastering the walls. And I, again, my dad did not, I don't know if he intended to teach us anything, but he taught me something that night. And my dad said, look, we're not going home just yet. We're going to stay and help the pastor. And that night... We did whatever we could. I think this boys, my dad got us to clean stuff up. My dad gave Pastor Barber a hand and plastered those walls. And I learned another valuable lesson that I need to give of my time. It was already 8.30, time to go home and get ready for bed. But no, we're going to stay and we're going to help the pastor so that the kingdom of God can go forward. Listen to me, folks. God is calling you and me to be givers and to have a generous and giving heart. And I'm going to tell you in a moment the great benefit of this, this giving, Look at, look at this verse in Luke chapter 6. And you know, but can I just tell you this? I get people coming to me all the time. Say, Pastor, pray for me. My business is not going well. I'm struggling financially. I can't make ends meet. And my first question is this, is are you giving? Because if you want God's blessing, then you got to give. So say, but Pastor, you got to pray for me. There's nothing to pray about. 
I could pray, I could fast and pray for days on end. It's not going to make a difference if you're not doing what God wants you to do. Listen to this. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Jesus says, he's teaching his disciples the principles of the kingdom of God. Okay? How many know that the kingdom of God has certain principles that it operates and functions by? Watch this. Jesus says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. You see, we don't live the way we want to live anymore. We live the way God wants us to live. We do what God wants, not what we want. Watch this. And then in verse 37, it says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give, watch this, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. In fact, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. This is what we call the law of the harvest. Or as it says many times in Scripture, what you sow is what you will reap or what you will get. Paul says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. In other words, don't think that you can live any way you want and expect some kind of a harvest because the Bible is clear that you will always, always, always reap what you sow. So if you are sowing sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. And God will provide for you in miraculous ways. I'm not saying that money's going to just magically fall out of the sky into your lap. I mean, that would be cool. And I wish I could figure out how to make that happen. But it doesn't happen that way. But it happens in other ways. And I wish I could go on today and tell you all the ways that God has blessed us. I mean, I've got a car. I've got a vehicle with almost 300,000 kilometers on it now, and it's still going strong. And I said, I'm going to keep driving that thing until I can't drive it anymore. And somehow, some way, God keeps that thing going. I had to spend a little money on it to keep it going. But when you start figuring out the amount of money you'd pay for a new vehicle versus babying the old one, man, God, I'm going to keep driving that thing until I can't drive it anymore. Why? so that I can keep giving. Because I know this, as long as I'm giving, God is pouring out his provision. As long as God can trust me with provision, then he's gonna keep on pouring out his blessing. How does, how does God trust us? How does he know he can trust us? Very simple. You give. You give. And you give. Now, Jesus reveals to his disciples these supernatural ways of the kingdom. You reap what you sow. The picture that Jesus intends for us in this verse is to be totally and completely overwhelmed by his provision. How many would like to have that kind of provision in their life? I know I would. God just poured out upon me. And that's what this is what Jesus is saying. You know, when God pours out his blessing on you, he's saying you're gonna have to press it, press it down to make room for more. And you're gonna have to shake up that, that vessel. You're gonna have to shape up, shake that jar up so that it will settle down and get more packed so that more can be poured into it. In fact, it's going to run over. The blessing is going to just be pouring over. In fact, it's going to pour over and into your lap and so that you will not even be able to contain all of his provision and blessing. What's Jesus doing here? He's echoing the passage of Scripture 
in Malachi. And here's what Jesus says, or God's saying in Malachi. Remember, he says to the people of Israel, you, you are under a curse because you're robbing God. And then, and then he challenges us. Ready for the challenge, folks? Because Jesus is actually reflecting this passage in Malachi here in this verse. And here's what, here's what he's saying, verse 10. God says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. What does that mean? So there'll be enough, enough money to keep the kingdom of God advancing. Now watch this. If you do this, if you will give in this way, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heavens for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Anybody want to get blessed like that? I know I do. Try it, God says. Just try it. Just, just, make, just take that first step and see what happens. God says, put me to the test. He says, if you do this, if you give, as I'm telling you to give, your crops will be abundant. That means rich and flourishing, greater than anybody else's. For I will guard them against insects and diseases. Remember I said God provides you for you in ways you can't expect? I mean, the money won't fall from the heavens, but you will find that your crops are protected from insects and disease. And you'll see God working in your life that way. He's helping you. He's protecting you. He's keeping things going in ways that you can't imagine. Like, how does my old Ford keep going? Well, God says that he's going to guard it against insects and disease. You do the arithmetic. God says, your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Can I just remind you today that the reason that people are coming from third world countries to the West is because our countries were, the Western countries were established on Christian principles. We're quickly getting away from that and we're gonna lose the blessing, but that's why this lands are blessed is because we understood these principles. Our forefathers, our grandparents and our great-grandparents understood that blessing comes when we honor God through our generosity. God wants to pour out his blessing upon you. And the Bible's clear that if you cooperate with God in his laws, you're going to benefit from them. And if you ignore God's laws, these spiritual laws in your life, well, folks, I'm sorry to say it, but uh, you're going to be frustrated and you are going to scratch your head and wonder why doesn't God meet your needs more. Folks, remember, I'm talking about steps of faith. It's saying, God, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, but I'm going to pay my tithe. I'm going to give to the work of God. I'm going to support my child in Burundi. I'm going to do that first and then watch what God does. It takes faith. I'm just going to be upfront honest with you. There's going to be times when you're just biting your nails and thinking, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to put my offering in the offering plate. I'm going to, I'm going to give to my child in Burundi. I'm going to give to the broken and the hurting in the, in the, 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 the victims of the typhoons, I'm going to give it. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, but I'm going to do it. And God comes through and provides for you. You know, one of the wonderful things that I get to hear are the people's testimonies. People who say, Pastor Allen, I heard what you said and I did what you said. I took that step of faith I gave. I just heard of a, of a couple, both of them. They, I never check on anybody's giving, but they came voluntarily and spoke to me, told me about their financial situation. And they told me, not only they tithe, but they're giving in so many other areas and giving huge amounts 
And he says to me, you know, and I just got a raise. And I said, are you surprised? He goes, no, I know why I got that raise. It's because God knew he could trust me with a raise. And she just got a, she just got a, a, a promotion and, and so on and so forth. Listen, folks, I'm telling you, this is a life of faith where you take those steps of faith. You, you gave your heart to Jesus to get eternal life. Now I'm saying take that next step of faith and give so that you can experience abundant life and God's great and rich provision. Some of you are in business. Do you want God to prosper your business? Then start giving and watch the way God will prosper your work. Folks, this is, listen, this is not just an I, this is, this is not just my opinion. This is God's promises. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. If you're struggling today, I'm gonna just say this in closing. If you're struggling today, I wanna just remind you to take that step of faith while your faith is high right this very moment. Take that step of faith and give. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, frankly, we're not in any kind of a financial emergency. We're not in any kind of a financial distress. Um, it's, I'm just saying you need to do this for your sake. And I'm going to tell you this, God doesn't need your money, but you need to give for your own spiritual sake. Now, Paul says this, wonderful reminder to the Christians in Philippi who probably struggled the same way you and I struggle. And he says this, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know, back when we were in the other building and we're just a very, very tiny congregation, we had a family come to us from the community. We're so excited we're thrilled that God was adding to our numbers, and we were a very small number of people, and we didn't want to lose anybody because I'm telling you, if that family didn't show up, it felt like the church was empty. That's how small we were. And I just finished speaking on giving. And remember, this is a spiritual principle. It's a spiritual principle that we're talking about. And it has to be received by faith. Otherwise, you will be angry at me. But that, and that's what happened to this family. After the service... They left, they didn't smile, they weren't happy with me. They walked out, they didn't wave. They seemed kind of ticked off. I didn't know what was wrong, but I, I felt in my heart, oh, oh, I've said something to offend them. And then sure enough, I got a phone call and they said to me, Pastor Allen, we wanna thank you for your friendship. We really love the church, but we're not ready for that kind of commitment. And so they left. 10 years later, I got a phone call from the father, and he said to me, uh, I, was, I, I was just surfing through the internet. I found, I found your website, and I thought I'd give you a call, see how you're doing. So I thought, well, it's great. Do you want to get together for coffee? Yeah, that'd be great. So we met together for coffee, and I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe they're ready. Maybe the family's ready to come back to church and, and ready to follow God. But sadly, when he got there, he had the saddest stories to tell me of his kids in trouble with the law and that was all falling apart. His marriage ended in divorce. His wife was, was gone back to the bottle and they were doing so well. But they left it all behind because, listen to this, because of a poverty mentality. They thought that they needed to take, that they needed to be in control of their own lives. 
But what you need to understand today that as followers of Jesus Christ, you don't need to take anything. God wants to provide it for you. What you need to do is you need to give. And God will provide for you. Pressed down, shaken together, so that you got to make room for more, running over and into your lap. Because the amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you this morning for your presence here. Thank you, God, for the lessons of your word. God, I believe today there are some people that are here struggling financially, and you, by your spirit, have spoken to them. This is all supernatural. They're here to hear this word today because you want them to be set free from their poverty mentality. You want them to see today, oh God, that you want to provide greatly for them. You want to pour out a blessing on their lives. But God, the only way that we can open the channels of blessing is by being faithful in giving. Even as Jesus gave, and he gave the supreme gift of all, he gave his life. God, you're calling us to give like that. So, Father, we pray today that you would stir up the hearts of your people and those, Lord, who have been nervous and have maybe have lost faith a little bit and have been and worried about finances. God, today, would you give them a brand new a vision of what you want to do for them? God, would you make them generous so that you can pour out your care and your help and your provision upon them? We thank you, Lord, for these biblical standards, these biblical principles that show us how to live. And so we commit them to you now in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, give happily.